You ever had one of those days that you just want to forget? Like, you just happen to get up and you're feeling bad for some reason, you don't even know why. Like in New York, you, you just know it's going to be a bad day when you're a walk, as soon as you start walking down the subway and everybody's coming out and you know you just missed the train and you're like, 10 seconds, and I would have, my the whole day would have been different. I think there's some kind of timing in this city that like if you miss one train, you're going to miss every train the rest of the day. It just works that way. And we probably all had these days in our life that we just wish we could forget. I, I remember... My and I, sometimes I wish I didn't remember my first day of first grade. I uh, I was in class. I was at lunch, coming to lunch. Like that's one of the most stressful things I think as a first grader. Like your first day at lunch. Like who am I going to sit with? What's going on? Where do I go? What do I do? All this kind of stuff. And I remember walking out. I had my tray of food and I bent over to get my milk out of the cooler. And when I did, I dropped my tray completely and like food went everywhere and it was like the most embarrassing moment of my life and then the guy right behind me slipped in my peas and did the exact same thing and so we're wallowing there and he actually became one of my really good friends his name was David and uh we were in school together for a long time but it's one of those days I wish I could forget I remember even the very first Easter those of you who might not have been around when New City Church first got going about three years ago the very first Easter service we ever had was our, our second service. We started April 6th, April 13th was Easter, and we were meeting at the Secret Theater up at Court Square. It's called the Secret Theater for a reason, because nobody can find it, nobody knows where it is. Like, it's just way out of the way, and we were all kind of coming from different directions. And that morning, I remember, I, was, I got off at Court Square, and I was rolling one of those rolling carts full of our children's stuff. I had a djembe, like a drum, sitting on top. I had a guitar strapped to my back because everybody was bringing different stuff. And I got off at Court Square because they got an elevator, or, yeah, elevator, right? And so I go, and of course, the elevator is out. And so I'm carrying this stuff down the stairs, and I misstep, and I literally fall down the stairs, and I can still in my mind hear that drum just boom, 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 and I'm like, and I'm fall, I'm like all beat up, and I'm laying at the bottom of those stairs, and I look around, and like nobody saw it, and I was like, thank you, like no, like nobody saw my humiliation, but in that moment, it was also one of the loneliest moments I've ever had in the city because like. I'm all alone, too. Nobody's here to help. Like, I have to get this stuff back up. We were going to have communion that morning. I, like, broke the plate and squished the grapes, the juice. Everything was like, you know, I was like, we get there. We couldn't even get into the secret theater. It was locked up. Like, I was ready. You can ask the few of us that were there that morning. I was ready to pack up and go home. I'm like, this is not worth it. And like, it's, I kind of look back on it because like, I scraped up my hands really bad. And I'm like, you know, my hands are hurting. And it's like God spoke to me. And he's like, what day is it? He's like, Easter. And I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't quite as bad as like what you did for us on Easter. So it's like God used it as a great teaching moment for me, too. And sometimes these moments that we wish we forget actually become some very defining moments in our life. Don't they? Some, some difficult Dark times actually become times of, of great remembrance when we remember what we learned from that. This past weekend, I was uh, down in South Carolina for my niece's wedding. My brother and I, he's a pastor as well, we both had parts in the ceremony. And the plan was to have this beautiful outdoor wedding at my uh, my uh, brother's mom, mother-in-law's property. And 
out in South Carolina, out on the marsh. They did all this stuff. And I don't know if you remember last week, a tropical storm Bonnie like came right in South Carolina. And so we did an outdoor wedding last weekend in the middle of a tropical storm. And we had to move everything underneath the tent and all that stuff. And Bethany, my niece, who was getting married, was in tears as we were trying to figure out what to do and all this stuff. And I remember my brother and I talked to her and we said, you know, Bethany, the one thing you want about your wedding is this. You want it to be memorable. You want to, you want to remember it. And today it's going to be a memorable day. It may not be what you were expecting, but it will be a memorable day. And by the end of the day, her and Demetrius, the, the young man she married, they said we wouldn't have done it any other way. It, was, it turned out to be a perfect day. And that's just, that happens in our life. These significant moments, these impactful moments, these memorable moments, good and bad, we look back on. We can all tell stories, like I've told this morning, of days of great joy and remembrance and days of great trial and remembrance. And today what we're going to do is we're actually going to look at this idea of remembrance from a biblical standpoint as well. And specifically, from Christ's command to observe communion. The idea of taking bread and wine and, and remembering what Christ did. In Luke 22, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at a few verses there. If you open those up, Luke 22, verses 17 through 20 is where we're going to kind of begin and build our talk off of today. But in this moment, it is Jesus is about to share the Passover meal with his disciples, his followers. This meal in itself was a meal of great remembrance. They were having this meal. They had it every year together to remember God's great deliverance of the Israel nation out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of slavery. And when God passed over and He did not pass judgment on the nation of Israel while He passed judgment on the Egyptian nation. And every year the the Israelites would celebrate Passover. They had other feasts and festivals that they would remember. And so Jesus and His disciples were already gathered for a moment of great remembrance. And in the middle of this moment of great remembrance, Jesus does something else. He creates a new moment to remember. A new moment, because He knows what's coming. He knows in just a few hours, everything is going to change. Because right after this Passover meal, this meal that they're sharing together to remember God's delivery from judgment, He knows He is going to take on the judgment of God as He heads toward the cross. In just a few hours, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be unjustly tried. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be crucified. And just about everyone who would follow him is going to desert him. And he knows this is coming. And in this moment, one of the last moments he has with his disciples before this happens, he wants to create a moment of remembrance. He knew that his physical days on this earth were drawing to an end. And in this most sacred of moments, he wanted to create a tangible way for those that followed him to remember him. So let's look at verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 17 through 20. He said then, he said, he took, taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this, divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, they took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I love that passage where he says, Do this in remembrance of me. He kind of instituted, in the middle of this Passover dinner, 
two new traditions of taking bread, breaking it together, taking the wine, and taking the two, and remembering what Christ did with his body and what he did with his blood, his spirit, what his work was in our life. In this moment, Jesus was doing more than just asking them to remember what was about to happen. Most of the time when we talk about communion, we talk about remembrance of the crucifixion and and even the resurrection, and that's certainly part of it. But Jesus in this moment is not talking about just what is about to happen. He's also talking about a way for them to get together to remember what he did, what his life was about. Not just to remember his death, but to remember his life as well. Now think about it. When we read this story, that may seem kind of odd, like, hey, I'm going to be dying. Why don't you guys do this and remember me when you do this in the future? Like, we're like, Jesus, that's kind of morbid, isn't it? But the truth is, don't we do that all the time as well? Don't we create ways to remember those that have passed on, that have gone? I mean, I think about it with my grandparents. Whenever I'm back in Georgia, one of the things, if I'm around the area where my grandparents are are buried, I, I go and visit their graveside. It's an opportunity to remember their lives, to remember what they did for us. I remember a few years ago when Katie's dad passed away suddenly and we had a memorial service and he was cremated and and Katie's mom desired for his ashes to be spread out in the Atlantic Ocean so that every time she would go to the beach she could remember Terry, Katie's dad, and she would have these ways that we would remember each other. How often do we find ourselves sitting around telling stories, reminiscing about funny times, exciting times, tragic times, You know, anything, these kind of stories sometimes, they don't literally, but sometimes figuratively bring people back to life. When I was down at the the wedding last weekend, uh, we were out, uh, we were all staying at the same hotel, all of my family, there were about 20, 25 of us there. We were sitting in the lobby talking till late into the night, and uh, we just ended up telling stories, right? And which, I don't know if your family does this. Our family does, and we've got crazy stories. And we just kind of go around, and we start picking on different people and start telling stories about this person and that person. And then we end up telling stories about those that aren't there anymore. And we end up, I remember, telling stories about my grandmother, Nanny, who had passed away a few years ago. And we started telling about what she would have cooked if she would have been at this wedding and just things that help us remember her. And it was like she was almost there. So we have this in our life. That's We do this, and that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He was taking the time with those that he were closest to him and to create a lasting memory, a memory that every time they did this, they would remember who he was and what he did in their life. I can just imagine the next Passover dinner. They would sit around and they would take the bread and the cup and they were like, you guys remember what Jesus told us to do? And they would begin to tell some stories about Jesus as they would take the bread and the cup. And they would share, do you remember the time he did this? Do you remember the time he did that? And it literally kept that alive, his teachings, his truth alive. And that's what I want us to do today as we move toward communion. I want us to take three stories out of Scripture that I think, maybe if I was one of the disciples, these are one of the stories I would have brought up about Jesus to help us remember who he was and what he did in our life. The first one is found in Mark chapter 10, verse 35 through 45. And it's... uh, it's this kind of a unique story. Jesus had kind of just been on the scene. He's just kind of his ministry is starting to blow up a little bit. He's healed some people. People are starting to follow him. And something kind of shifts in his disciples' minds at this point. So they, they go from like, 
Jesus, we, we don't, you know, we're just poor fishermen. We're, we're nothing. We're not, we're not worthy of anything. And then all of a sudden in this passage, they start thinking about, you know, Jesus is getting kind of popular. What about us? Like maybe we should need some power and popularity and fame and fortune as well. And, and two of them kind of beat everybody else to the punch in asking Jesus to offer, the, to, to give them something. So look at Mark 10, verse 35. And it says this, if you got your Bible, it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and said, Teacher. Like, I love what they did right here. They're like, start with a compliment, right? Hey, teacher. Like, you've taught me so much. You are such a great teacher. They're like, teacher. They said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, that sounds very presumptive, doesn't it? I mean, like, we want... But, you know, not long before that, Jesus had just taught, like, whatever you ask in my name, I'll give you. And so they're like, teacher, you just taught us this, so we're going to ask you. We want you to do something for us. And he's like, all right, tell me, what is it that you want me to do for you? And they replied, let one of us sit on your right hand and the other at your left hand in your glory. When you become all-powerful, would you just do us the favor of letting John sit here and James sit here? <laughs> like, what I want to ask, right? And I love the disciples' response here. It says, when the ten, the other ten heard this, they became indignant with James and John. Like, I would too. Like, I'm like, what kind of question is that? And then I would go, why didn't I ask it first, right? I mean, they're, they're probably like, why didn't we think of that? Jesus, I want to sit at your right hand. I want to sit at your left. And like, why didn't we think of this? And there's this moment that Jesus teaches them something incredible here about who he is that makes this such a memorable story. Later on in the passage, he says, look, you really don't know what you're asking for. Because if you want to sit on my right and left, there's two things you have to be. You have to be a servant. And you have to be willing to sacrifice above all things. I did not come to make kings. I came to make servants, is what Jesus said. And I wonder if James and John wanted to maybe rescind their offer a little bit. And like, no, Peter, Peter and Thomas can have those seats. That's, that's all right. Like, you know, how did they feel at that moment? But I love how Jesus taught here. And it would be one of those things I would always go back and remember and say, you know what? Jesus taught it. He was about being a servant and about sacrifice. Can't you hear the disciples sitting around in a few years after all this happened and go, you guys remember that time James and John asked to sit by Jesus at the right hand? And there the James and John are like, oh, stop it. You know, they're, they're like, we didn't know what we were asking for. And they're like, yeah, Jesus made a good fool of you guys. I mean, just, you know, it'd be, you'd laugh, but then you would remember the truth. The guys, you know, it would sit there and go, you know, how are we doing it being servants? How are we doing it sacrificing? And so many of the disciples lived this out. So many of the disciples actually gave up their life to follow Christ. They died on his behalf. They became servants to all. And it would be one of those times I remember, yeah, we, we just didn't know what we were asking for. But man, what Jesus gave us, the call to be a servant and to sacrifice is great. The, the next passage, that are the story that I want us to kind of gather around a little bit is found in John 13. And in this second story... Uh, we're sure that the disciples probably retold this over and over again. And actually happened right before the, the Passover that we just read, where he broke the bread and, and gave the cup. And as they come in for this Passover dinner, Jesus does something kind of crazy. In John 13, 1 through 11, we're not going to read the whole passage, but we see this story of Jesus coming in and washing the disciples' feet. 
I'm sure this was a memorable moment for them. They had their feet washed all the time, but it was usually by the lowest of servants in the household that would come in and do that. And so Jesus came in, He sat them down, and He literally went around and washed their feet. And I love what Peter does, because Peter's like, when he gets to Peter, he's watching all these other chumps, like, why are you guys letting Jesus do this to you? And like, He's probably last, and Jesus comes to do Peter's feet, and Jesus, Peter's like, I'm going to show you guys what you should have done. He's like, Jesus, no, don't wash my feet. I'm not worthy of that. He's trying to be all spiritual. And Jesus says, well, if you don't want me to wash your feet, you can't be part of what I'm about. You can't be part of my family. And what does Peter say? I love Peter. He's like, well, don't just wash my feet then. Like, give me a bath, right? I, I can just hear the disciples years after that. You guys remember that time Peter asked Jesus to give him a bath at dinner that time? You know, and like just remembering that. And I, I love even in this what Jesus does because he, Jesus didn't do this to just do it. He didn't do it to humiliate himself in front of the disciples. He did this to challenge them to do what he had done for them. He challenged them to become teachers. You see, Jesus was a servant, and we saw that earlier, but Jesus was also a teacher. And I, I love what we read here in, look in John chapter 13, verse 12. He said, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He says, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, he said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for it is what I am. I am teacher. I am Lord. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I just love the idea that Jesus is setting before us here to go and model what he taught us to teach other people. That's part of what our role is as followers. And I can just remember as they would remind remind themselves of this story of Jesus washing their feet and how awkward maybe that was and how awkward Peter was and what he said and how all that kind of stuff played out, they would also remember, you remember what Jesus told us to do? He said to go and do this for others. Go and teach others. How are we doing at that? And these stories would remind them of commands that Jesus laid before them. The last story we're going to look at before we take communion is probably the most memorable story of Jesus. It's a story that happens right as he is leading up to being crucified, the ultimate sacrifice leading up to his physical death. And while some followers experience this firsthand, most and many of them had deserted Jesus at this point, and they have probably heard this story from other people over and over again. And I'm certain the disciples would probably often sit around and talk about the unjust trial that Jesus had to go through. They would probably talk about this incredible beating that he faced, the mockery that he faced from the people and even the nation of Israel, those that he came to save that just a few days before that called him Hosanna and Lord and then changed their chance to crucify him. They would talk about the way he was nailed to a cross and how he died and eventually rose again. But I think there were probably two statements and two interactions on the cross that probably jump out in their mind and they would retell over and over again. And the first one is this. is literally Jesus is being raised up on the cross. 
He's been nailed to the cross. They've stripped him naked. And even the men that have stripped him are now gambling for his robes as a souvenir of this day. And Jesus says something completely unexpected and remarkable. And he says this in verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And this idea that Jesus is a forgiver, that he forgives no matter what. That there is nothing, I can't think of what else they could have done to Jesus in those moments leading up to his death. And even in all that they did, he said, forgive. I forgive you. Father, forgive them. And it's such a great reminder to us to remember that Jesus forgives us. None of us in here were there at the time of the crucifixion. None of us literally nailed the cross and the nails into his hands or stood the cross up or gambled for his robes or mocked him. But we all at some point in our life have turned our back on Christ, have chosen a different way than his way, have denied him and maybe deserted him at times. And the idea that we can look at this story and this statement and remember that he forgives such a peaceful thought. But what it also reminds us is this, is that we can forgive as well. We we have the ability through Christ to be forgivers as well. And that's so easy to forget sometimes. It's so easy to hold grudges and to hold things against people instead of allowing the freedom of forgiveness to flow through us. That's not the only thing Jesus said and experienced on the cross that was truly remarkable and memorable, there was a, another interaction, and it was with one of the thieves that was hanging right beside him. Jesus was hanging on a cross. There was a thief on the left and a thief on the right, and one of them mocked him the entire time. And another one, if you look in verse 40, we'll see a unique interaction. So in Luke 23, verse 40, it says this. But the other re- criminal rebuked him, who was talking about the other uh, criminal. He said, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And the idea that Jesus, if any time Jesus had to me had the right to be selfish, it was at the moment of his death. Like, look, you're taking the weight of the sin upon your world. It's okay to think about yourself in this moment. But he doesn't. He still not only forgives, but what? He has compassion. He shows compassion to a man that is a criminal, a thief that's hanging right beside him. And when he calls out for compassion, Jesus shows it. The compassion of Christ, even at his death, is the greatest, one of the greatest things that we can remember about him. Can you remember, can you imagine being there at the foot of that cross and hearing Jesus seeing Jesus show compassion to this criminal. What an impact that would have and what a story that would tell and what an incredible way to remember Christ as a person of compassion. So today, as much as I want us to remember the death of Christ, I also want us to remember the life of Christ. The fact that he was a servant and he called us to serve. The fact that he was a teacher and he calls us to teach. The fact that he forgave us and those in his day 
and cause us to forgive. The fact that his hands and his eyes and his heart constantly were filled with compassion and we can have compassion as well. So let me ask you a question for today. What do you remember? When it comes to being a servant, do you remember a time when Christ has served you? When his body, maybe the church, has impacted your life? Do you remember a time when you modeled this idea of being a servant and saw someone's life changed because of it? Do you remember Christ as servant? Do you remember him as teacher? Do you remember something that Jesus has taught you through the example and teachings recorded in Scripture or something that he's taught you through others or through prayer? Do you remember a time that God used you to teach others about him and have an impact in their life? Do you remember him as teacher? What about as forgiver? Do you remember when you first experienced the forgiveness that is found through Christ and in salvation? Do you remember what it's like to have guilt and shame removed from your life? Do you remember a time that you showed forgiveness to others and allowed true restoration to come into your life and into theirs? Do you remember Christ as forgiver? And finally, compassion. Do you remember a time when you experienced the compassion of Christ through His love, His grace, His mercy, and through His act of sacrifice? Do you remember maybe when others sacrificed on your behalf, when followers of Christ stepped up for you? Do you remember a time that you had a chance to sacrifice on behalf of others? And by doing so, so you had an eternal impact on their life. Do you remember Christ as compassion? So today as we get ready to come to the table, I want to give you just a couple of instructions. But really in Scripture, there are, there are two requirements to come to the table. One is that you're a follower of Christ. It's hard to remember something in your life that it hasn't happened yet. And so if there's been a point in your life where you have surrendered your heart to Christ and you would call out to Him as Savior and Lord, you're welcome to come to the table. But I want to be very clear. There's, there's no shame in not coming to the table because of that reason today. Many in here are on different levels and different spots in their spiritual journey. And it's completely okay to say, that's not something I'm ready to do yet. Nobody's going to look down upon you. Nobody's going to say, why isn't that person coming? And even in this moment, in this moment right now, it's an incredible opportunity to say, Christ, I want to surrender. I want you as Lord of my life. I want to experience your grace and your mercy. I want to receive your forgiveness. You can do that in this very moment. And in the moment you do that, you can celebrate the remembrance of a moment that happened 30 seconds ago at the table today. The other thing that it says would keep us from the table is when we're basically living with unrepentant sin. And this doesn't mean that maybe there's something that happened in my life a month or two ago that I forgot to confess to Christ. And you have to start going through this list. What it means is this is that in this moment, maybe in your life right now, you're choosing to embrace sin over your Savior. You've committed your life to Christ, but you're like, you know what? I am willfully living in disobedience. And, and again, if, if that's in your life right now, we've all had times in our life where that's been the case. I can honestly tell you, there's been times I have not come to the Lord's table because of that in my life. So there's no shame in that either. I would call you to repentance. I would call you to experience the forgiveness and compassion of Christ. And you can do that in this moment before you come to the table. But those are the two instructions. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And after we pray, uh, we'll have the tables available. There'll be pieces of bread that you can dip into the wine and 
take that you can take that as a family together. If there's people in here you'd like to share that experience with and come alongside of them, uh, there'll be a couple at each table that if you want somebody to pray with you, they're willing to do that as well. But it's kind of a, a serve yourself. You'll come and take the bread, dip it in the wine, and take it together. After that, we'll have some music and close our service together. But this is a time to remember. I want to challenge you as you come and take the bread and dip it in to the wine and take it. Would you remember Jesus is either teacher or servant or forgiver or as a man of compassion? Would you let that be? As you taste the wine and the bread, would you allow that memory to bring to life in your own soul something that Christ did for you? You bow your head and close your eyes with me.